I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Emergency Podcast. Jimmy Lake officially announced that uh, he is no longer working at the University of Washington. Essentially, he has been fired. This has been in the works for a while. Um, the incident last Saturday with, uh, you know, uh, the um, the walk-on. What, why can't I ever remember his first name? Rupraki. Rupraki Fulbai. Yeah, that incident just kind of lit the fuse and, um, one game, one game suspension and leading to the firing today. But just initial reaction, Scott, to the news that was officially announced. Well, I think we were heading down this, this road. I mean, I, I, I had, you know, people been asking me about this today and, and I said, I, I honestly didn't think it would come to this. I thought they'd give him at least one more year. Young African American head coach. Well respected in the coaching community by, by a lot of different coaches and has a lot of knowledge and has a lot of experience. Had a, had a history here, not just as the head coach, but as a position coach, as a coordinator. I just thought he'd get another year, even if they just went six and six. But I, I think this thing has been trending this way since the Montana loss and, and things just did not ever get better on the field. The product has been poor all season. They don't look like they're improving and, then you, then when, you know, you have some other coaching changes that happen on the staff and everything like that. I just think in the long run, it's, it, it this was set up back on September, what was it? September 4th, September 7th, whenever it was, when the Montana game was. And, and this is the culmination of it. Your initial reaction, Chris? A, a little surprised of the outright firing. I mean, I thought that the language that, the school used when they initially suspended him kind of made it seem like they were going to try to negotiate something behind the scenes. And I, and and maybe it's just simply a matter of Jimmy being so stubborn about it and just unwilling to accept that he played a part in all this, that they finally just said, okay, we'll cut the cord. We'll, we'll, we'll rip off the bandaid. We'll pay you what you, what you, what we owe you and off you go, you know? So I, I, I was a little surprised by that, but, uh, you know, I'd even go back further, Scott, and I'd go back to even the hiring of John Donovan as kind of the initial warning signs that, okay, this guy is clearly going to, you know, march to his own drummer. And, you know, that, that whole hire was met with a lot of skepticism, but at the same time, it was like, okay, what does he see in a guy like John Donovan? And what does he see in this offense that yep. no one else has seen? And, he was never proven correct on any of those fronts on anything having to do with the offense, any way, shape or form. It was an unmitigated disaster from the start and everyone saw it coming, but him apparently. And I think to me that really signaled a huge um, kind of red flag in terms of the things that you look forward to is like wondering how this could go South. Because if you look at, you know, Jimmy Lake was supposed to be the, the anointed one. I mean, he's, he was Chris Peterson's handpicked guy and for it to go south and, and for him to, to be blown out in 13 games, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's never one thing that gets a guy fired. Rarely is it just one thing. And when we look back at everything that's been going on, it wasn't the incident on the sideline. I think that kind of lit the fuse. And then, you know, we'd heard rumors of his failure to be accountable and even to make an apology for those action was kind of like the, the nail in the coffin. But, you know, there's a long list of things and it, you know, in my opinion, it all started with the, um, it probably started with the John Donovan hire 
But that loss to Montana was really hard for a lot of people to swallow. And, um, you know, Scott, you mentioned the word stubborn, you know, with Jimmy. And I think that that is ultimately his downfall is his stubbornness. Hiring an offensive coordinator to run the offense that he wanted to run. Uh, Richard Newton last year, the stubbornness of him being in the doghouse last year not playing him. The stubbornness of not playing Sean McGrew. The stubbornness of naming, you know, Dylan Morris the, uh, starter before even the start of fall camp. Uh, you know, we've just seen so much of it. The stubbornness of, you know, uh, Dominique Hampton not playing, you know, being in the doghouse. But, you know, both of you guys, we've seen Matt, you know, so many instances of Jimmy's stubbornness. And, you know, I said a long time ago, if Jimmy Lake was going to be successful here. It was going to be because of his ego. But if his downfall was also going to be because of his ego. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we all said that. And I think that we all felt that. And one thing that I said when he made the hires he made, I'm like, hey, let him have who he wants because he's going to ride or die with these guys. And, um, I had a feeling that if John Donovan wasn't, wasn't a quality pickup that we would find out real quick. And we did. And, um, I, I still don't think everything was John Donovan's fault. I don't think that, I think he was in a little bit over his head, but I also think that he was restricted by why, by what a lot of Jimmy Lake wanted to do. We had heard rumors about John Donovan coming in with these, you know, more downfield throws, more, more, uh, you know, some different blocking schemes, some different, you know, this and that and all that different stuff. And Jimmy Lake said, no, we're going to do it this way. This is what I want to do. And, and, uh, you know, it's it just Jimmy Lake, like you said, Kim was going to have success because of who he is and he was going to have, um, a lack of success because of who he is. You know, he, he could have gone either way. And unfortunately this went the wrong way for him and for the school. And by the way, sorry about the sneeze. I sneezed three times. I couldn't get to my mute button fast enough. But, you know, stubbornness also, Chris, in just game planning, you know, just how many times did we see the, um, you know, the offense, you know, on just run the ball up the middle, run power in against eight and nine man fronts. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it goes back to the run the damn ball hat and everyone's going to remember that before the 2020 season started and and just his insistence on trying to be bigger, stronger, tougher than the next guy, but it just it kind of ended up smacking of of kind of fake toughness, honestly. I mean, it just felt like okay, yeah, it, it's it's an attitude, but it's something that's in you. It's something you either have or you don't. And clearly the players are playing like their lives depend on this season. They haven't quit. They haven't given up on anybody, but it's clearly the coaches that haven't put them in a position to succeed. We saw it in the first half of Saturday's game against Arizona State when Junior Adams was basically calling everything but the kitchen sink. The stuff was there. The pieces were in place. That was what we, that was the offense that we expected to see going into the season. And cause they had, they had the guys that could do it. And, and you could tell that team was playing free. They were playing loose. They played like they were having, like they had nothing to lose and, and all those things. But, you know, it, it just almost kind of feels like, you know, what's the difference? What's the key? What's the key factor that's missing? It's Jimmy. It, and it's, and it feels like there was that constant, like kind of presence on the sideline that was maybe hamstringing them or, or kind of limiting them 
for some reason. And, and I, I think I do, it does go back to me, Kim, to, to the stubbornness and also the fact that I think he always felt like he was the smartest guy in the room. And, uh, that ended up being to his detriment. I don't know about the smartest guy in the room, but it sure seemed like he was the only voice in the room quite often. You know, and I got a call today from my guy who's, you know, um, got to be careful. I don't want to disclose who it is. It's just a, a, a USC guy who would know. And he says, Washington's got a better roster than USC. It does. And it's a good job. The talent is there. And we've been saying that for quite some time. But it's just some of the schemes and just some of the stuff we've seen. It's head scratching. I mean, it really, really is. And, you know, it's just when something like this happens, stories start to come out and it always happens. And, you know, a lot of players were saying the right thing after the game last night. But, you know, it's going to be interesting in the next week to see if um, more and more starts leaking out, you know, as we've seen in the past. And, by the way, Chris, we've been doing this. This is our, Jimmy Lake was our seventh head coach we've covered. Seventh. We're about to start our eighth. Well, Bob Gregory would be the eighth, wouldn't he? Yeah, but there was, we've only really done three coaching searches. And that was the one before Willingham, the one before Sarkeesian, and the one before this one. Well, we did so do Heisel. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it just, it felt like that was Barbara Hedges' kind of golden boy, and, and she had tried to hire him, what, five times before he decided to take the job? No, that was, was Todd just like, trying to hire Tyrone five times. Yeah, well, <laughs> all, all I know is that it's just, it's just an unfortunate situation for the players. I feel really, really bad for them. And again, what we saw against Arizona State was a, was a team playing with a lot of heart. But the problem is they have been coached to become who they are. And unfortunately, in the second half of that game, they they remembered who they were, which is which wasn't a good thing, um, you know. And that's kind of why they faltered down the stretch. I mean, defensively, they couldn't get Arizona State off the field like they couldn't get Oregon State off the field like they they couldn't get UCLA off the field. Um, you know, they couldn't get Montana off the field like Scott was saying the, the very first game of the season, which was just a such a monster red flag. You certainly couldn't ignore it. Um, but the offense, honestly, to me, is the biggest story. And, you know, ultimately, Jimmy Lake, I think the history books are going to tell you that John Donovan was the reason that Jimmy Lake lost his job, and I don't necessarily think they're going to be wrong about that. It's uh, – I always say it's never one reason that, you know, the coaches get fired. Um, you know, and one of the big things out there, Scott, uh, I mean, everybody's been complaining about it for a while. He's not recruiting well either right now. Well, I, I mean, you know, Kim, you and I have been two of the people banging the drum, and I think Chris has also been in there, that while the the if you just look at the stars and all that, and, you know, it hasn't looked that good. But Washington is also, I mean, the, the true COVID uh, recruiting and, and coverage of recruiting only was limited to it you know, was limited for a long time. This past spring and summer, we saw some stuff, but we didn't see everything. And, and so, um, but yeah, Kim, I mean, it, it ha I don't want to say it's fallen off a cliff, but it definitely hasn't been where it needs to be. If you're going to be competitive in the PAC 12 and Washington, you know, they brought in some, some key pieces, but they need to fill up their class with four star guys and high three stars and maybe throwing a, Five star here and there, and what really what really hurts the perception of Washington's recruiting 
um, during this past, I don't know, 18 months, two and a half years, whatever you want to call it, is losing guys like Emeka, uh, um, Igbuka. Uh, Igbuka, I kept wanting to say, um, Mecca Megwa. <laughs> yeah, no, Megwa. And then, uh, and then JT Tui Malau and, Losing out on guys like that, losing out on Julian Simon, who I wasn't the hugest fan of, but you know, he's, he's a talented kid. He isn't doing very much yet at USC, so we'll see. But you know, there's guys that they lost. And, and then in the 2022 class, they've already, they're going to probably lose Josh Connerly. And now some of that can be attributed to the coaching change, but some of it can be attributed to the fact that they weren't doing well on the, on the recruiting trail and then they didn't perform well on the field. So. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not good when, when you, what, the state of Washington doesn't produce a lot of five-star talent, but when they do, with Washington not being able to reel in five-star guys from California or Texas or Florida or anything like that, when they're local, you gotta get those five-star guys, and they just haven't been doing it. Even under Chris Peterson, even under Steve Sarkeesian, they really really struggled to get those guys. What's it going to do to change it? Well, they're going to have to have success, win some win some uh, big bowl games, if not go to a CFP playoff and possibly a championship game. And then um, you also have to have a coach and coaching staff who likes to recruit. And I think that's going to be the biggest key for the next uh, coaching staff. you got to have good coaches, no doubt. But you have to have a coach who's at least loves to recruit and gets innovative because right I, I think Jimmy for as good of a recruiter as he was in his, as an assistant I think as a head coach very very far behind the curve well let's talk a little bit about recruiting because everybody thinks recruiting is just about going out talking to guys and texting them and making phone calls but I think one of the downfalls um, for Jimmy Lake is you know, you could call it a downfall, but it sounds like he pretty much took a position. He wanted to distance himself from Chris Peterson, which to me is incredibly odd. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's well-respected. He's got a wealth of knowledge and resources. Jimmy didn't really interact with Chris Peterson. And then I'd also heard some things that, um, you know, Chris Peterson had pretty much a really good setup. Um, you know, I don't want... The recruiting mechanics in place, the overall organization of recruiting in place. And, you know, what I'd heard is a lot of that had fallen by the wayside and Jimmy just kind of wanted to do things his own way, you know, and reinvent certain things. And that kind of was the downfall as well. Chris, when you first started, I think they had one person in the uh, in the recruiting office, Claudine Lowe. Remember that? Sure. It's a, I mean, there was only one person in there. That was it. It's a little bit different now, you know, and getting those organizational skills. Because I, I, I still think Jimmy's a good coach. I think all the stuff about that he never had to do before is really what led him to, in the downfall. Meeting with the media and uh, putting together recruiting and all the administrative things, all the booster things, all the things that he had to do that he never had to do before. I think a lot of that contributed to it. And instead of leaning on Chris Peterson, he just decided to do it himself. Yeah, and also that's that goes to show why um, some of the people that were actually very influential in recruiting from the office standpoint were not retained by Lake. You know, there was there was some definitely some rifts internally about those things, and some of them were Pete guys, and they wanted to kind of continue to do what they thought had been successful. And clearly, Lake had a whole different strategy involved, and he wanted to to do it his way, like you said, and you know, which is just fascinating to me that you know lake 
you know, he went, he's been on record so many times as talking about, you know, Peterson and he had the secret sauce and how you'd be successful in college with built for life. And he was the reason he wanted to get back in the college game. And he actively sought out Peterson when he was at Boise state and became part of that staff. And, you know, talks about all the mentorship and everything else that was going on. And then as soon as he gets the head coaching job, it's like Peterson never existed. It's, it, it, it does. I, I reiterate everything you just said, Kim. It's the oddest thing I think I've ever seen in kind of a mentor protege relationship or, a, you know, apprenticeship relationship. It's just, it just, you can't just literally shut that off. Like it's you, how far, you know, these things last forever. That's why you have life coaches, you know, for business and everything else. You know, these, these things go on. Things change and you need sounding boards to be able so you can make decisions and adapt and change and all the things that go into it. And Jimmy Lake acted like Chris Peterson had taken him to the water and now he could just forget about him. And then he, he'd learned all the lessons. Hey, Chris, didn't Jim Lambright do that with Don James? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it could very well have been the same thing. And look what happened to, to Jim. I mean, yeah. it, same, I mean, same exact thing. I mean, if you take all, if you take over for a Hall of Fame coach, use the guy. He's there. I <laughs> mean, especially if you've never been a head coach. Well, and it goes ultimately with the, with the kind of the, the stubbornness, the arrogance, hubris, however you want to define it or characterize it. Jimmy Lake ultimately, you know, was, was done in by his, his, his arrogance and, and thinking that he just knew the right way to do it. And he was going to shove that round peg into the square hole, no matter what it was going to take. And that cost him. And you know what? To be honest with you, more power to him. I, I think if you go down, go down on your sword. If you go down fighting for what you believe in and you think it, it's honestly the best way to do it, you were hired to do the job and well, it just didn't work yeah. out. But you know, at least, at least he can go down and he can have it with a clear conscience thinking, okay, I did everything I could. Well, I've been, you know, you guys have heard me say this before. You know, Jimmy's betting big on Jimmy. You know, yeah. Scott, you, Scott, you've heard me say it. Jimmy's betting big on Jimmy, you know, and if, uh, yeah. he's successful. And also, you know, and we, I've talked about this too. You know, if Jimmy Lake would have gone 11 and 0 or 12 and 1 or whatever it was going to be, if he had that kind of a record this year, he wasn't going to be the head coach here next year. I don't know about that. I, all I know is, is that when you say Jimmy bet on Jimmy, I, I believe it a hundred percent. And to, and to further that, when he was hired, uh, after Peterson, um, you know, decided to step down, we would have all been 100% in that corner. I mean, this is, I don't want this to be con, con, construed as some sort of revisionist history or some sort of, Oh yeah, we could have seen this coming. Hey, Everyone in their mother thought that this was the right appointment. It made sense. He had, he had done all the steps going up the ladder at Washington. The next step for him was to take over from Chris Peterson eventually. Yep. That's why they laid off the advances from guys like Nick Saban in Alabama. And, you know, before they hired Herm Edwards, Arizona State was hot after Lake, big time. Colorado. Everything, yeah. yeah, everything pointed in the, in the direction of this guy having a lot of success. So, you know, back when he was hired, you know, before the 2020 season and everyone's, and everyone would have believed that Jimmy was going to bet on Jimmy. We would have been like, yep, that's the absolute 100% correct strategy to take. That was going to get him where he needed to go because Chris Peterson believed it. Jen Cohen believed it. We all believed yep. it. It made total sense. 
Scott, who's the next head coach? Uh, well, that's why we have a coaching hot board up there. <laughs> I, I really, I, I've kind of left, laid out my criteria. I think it's going to be obviously a really good coach and a, a good CEO, um, who's got a great, uh, coaching tree. But I think the biggest thing is they need to find a, a coach who likes to recruit and uh, doesn't shy away from going up against the big boys. Washington, for whatever reason, they decided there were guys that they just weren't going to continue to go after hot, hotly and, and things like that. And I think um, some of that was good decisions, and some of it might not have been good decisions. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how some of those players work out. But – um, you need a, you need a coach who's going to be up there and be able to get in the living room and sell kids on, on why Washington is the best program for their kids to be a part of. Cause if, if you're going to get this thing back where, where it needs to be, which is Washington, um, you know, Washington, uh, you know, getting top end kids and going to, going to a, uh, Pac-12 championship game and possibly having a chance at a, at a, college football playoff berth and beating Oregon at least 50% of the time instead of this crap where you go um, 12 years and then you get two wins and now you're on a three-game losing streak to them and all of them close games for the most part. So, yeah, Washington needs to get back to competing against USC, get back to competing against uh, Oregon. They've got to get back to competing against the top teams in this country, and right now they are not there. Who's the next head coach, Chris? Beats me. Um, I will say this. I, I know that every name's going to come out of the woodwork. When we did the last, this last, last big search before, uh, Sarkeesian got hired, we never even had Steve Sarkeesian on our hot board ever until the day he was hired. And, and I remember there was a few of us, Dan Raley and I for sure, we cornered Scott Woodward in the basketball media room right next to the soda machine trying to pin him down on what exactly he was doing hiring the assistant from USC. Um, you know, bottom line is I, I think that all sorts of names are going to come to the fore. Uh, I could see someone on the hot board now getting it. I just think that there are certain things. And again, I don't, I don't want to raise the ire of Washington fans by bringing up Justin Wilcox. And I don't necessarily think Justin Wilcox is, is, is necessarily the right guy for the job, but I will say this. He fits the profile of the guy that fits what Washington needs. He's a guy that understands the culture. He's from the region. He understands the expectations. He has a connection with the program. There's a lot of reasons why a guy like that ticks off a lot of the boxes. Again, do I think they should probably swing for the fences a little bit more than a guy like Wilcox? Absolutely. This is an incredibly important hire, and – you know, it might even be Jen Cohen's last really super significant hire. We never know, you know, how these things go. But um, I think that they're, you know, when it comes to Seattle, when it comes to Washington being so provincial up in this corner of the world, fit is so important. It is so important. That's why a guy like like Chadwell from from Coastal Carolina, I understand he's he's a hot name. He is a very dynamic, innovative coach. That guy would never fit at Washington. He's a guy from Carolina. He's a Southerner. He's been there his whole life. You can't, I understand there's a lot of people who think you can just plug and play coaches anywhere and it just works. I, I just don't necessarily agree with that. And so I think that there has to be some connection 
to make the, to make the fit work the way it needs to fit. Hey Scott, how about I, I, I have a name in mind. Somebody who's a dynamic recruiter. Does that check the box? That's not the only. Well, does, oh, let me go down my list. Yes, right? that checks the box. Yep. Somebody who's won a national championship. Yeah. Somebody who's familiar with West Coast recruiting. Yes. Somebody who's been in a movie. Mm, doesn't matter. Ed Orgeron. Yep. Not going to happen. <laughs> Do you know what the other boxes you didn't talk about are? Scandal free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. No. When you look at Washington, you know, and Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, they're looking for somebody with the qualities of Justin. Um, Wilcox, I don't know if he's the guy, but Justin kind of reminds me of my son when he graduated from college and he had a job interview. He's a techie and he had a job interview and he says, look, I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a dog. I just want to work on cool stuff. You know, he just wanted to work 24 seven on cool stuff. And that's kind of like Justin. Justin's not married, doesn't have a girlfriend, doesn't have a dog. And he just wants to coach football. And we heard the stories about him just always being at the office all the time, you know, and, uh, you know, just, you know, we can debate Justin Wilcox all day long. I don't know if he's the right guy or not, but I know that uh, he's going to get a look. And just one more thing, you know, when you're talking about, you know, everything I've heard, there's going to be a search committee and they're going to hire a search firm. And people, I'm not sure, understand what that is. And I put it on the board. They should change the name instead of a search firm uh, is a vetting firm because they're the ones who gather all the information, who's interested, the salary they're currently making, the salary that they would look for, the amount of the buyout. They were they would look for skeletons in the closet. The last thing you want to do is hire a head coach. And then shortly after you hire him, find out that he's got some skeletons that are going to come to light. So uh, all of that needs to be done, and they got to make sure that they uh, thoroughly vet any coaching prospect. And then also part of the interview process is going to be what kind of a staff can you bring with you? If you're a defensive-minded coach, what are you going to do with the offense? What kind of a staff can you bring in for the offense? If you're an offensive coach, what kind of defensive coordinator can you bring in? You know, and that kind of thing. But also keep in mind, and, you know, you use the word provincial up here, Chris, Appearance is going to be a lot. Optics are going to be huge, you know, with what's been going on with Jimmy Lake the past couple of weeks with the Oregon comments, the sideline incident with the article that came out in the Seattle Times. Upper campus, they don't really care about football as long as, you know, everything is going fine. But you embarrass those people up there. You kind of want to keep upper campus on upper campus. You don't want them meddling down with the football program. And Unfortunately, you know, with those incidents, you know, there was some of that too. But you know, because it has to be with the amount of the buyout that Jimmy has. So, um yeah, I think they can they can cross John Gruden off the list for Yeah. That that that's kind of an example. Yeah, Orgeron off the list. Um, you know, yeah, Urban probably off, off the, the list. list. Off the list, yeah. All those guys if somebody's been involved in a controversy and you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, that I don't think James Franklin is going to go to USC with the amount of money that they paid out in the scandal down there. You better be squeaky clean to, um, you know, go to USC. My USC guy this morning, I, you know, last week he said, you know, Campbell was their top target. And this week it seems to be Dave Aranda at uh, Baylor. So uh, keep an eye on that. But let's go ahead and wrap, get this wrapped up, guys. Just, uh, you know, Scott Eklund, final thoughts. Um, well, I'm glad it's, I'm glad the bandit has been ripped off. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get more of a, 
get get kind of the, the new process started and, and get to meet some of these uh, new coaches that are going to be coming here, see when they're able to get them in. We talked about it on, uh, I think it was Friday, or I'm sorry, Saturday morning, and we talked about it, you know, when Washington, when the best timing is. Well, Washington really could use getting their coach in before that first weekend of December so that they can – so that he can recruit. But the thing is, if you're recruiting, uh, if it's a guy like Todd Monken, if it's a guy um, like uh, Tom Herman that you bring in, are you really going to be able to get either of those guys? Because they're going to be playing all the way in until very late in December, if not into January. So, um, you know, how much is that going to impact the team? So, I, you know, there's a lot of things to consider with this. I'm just excited to see what where things end up going. I think this is a new start for Washington. It's a fresh start. And I think Jen uh, Cohen is going to do a really good job with this. And like Chris said, it might be her last big move at the University of Washington as its athletic director. Final thoughts, Chris? Um, yeah, just just to remind people, Tom Herman is actually with the Chicago Bears right now as an offensive analyst. So, did I know, not say while, that? What's that? Didn't I say I said? Yeah, well, I'm just. I, I, oh. You said he's going to be there for. You know, he could be there. Oh, really gotcha, gotcha. My bad. Sorry. My my only my only thought thought on that is is that as an offensive analyst, if if Washington offered him the job with the idea that he would need to come in right away, I don't think the Bears would stand in his way. I just, that's my opinion. I just, cause he, as an offensive analyst, I mean, those guys come and go. Yep. Um, the, and, and to be honest with you, I, I don't think this necessarily needs a very long discussion, but I, I definitely like to hear your guys' thoughts. If Bob Gregory wins the last two games and gets to a bowl game and wins that game, do they even remotely consider Bob Gregory coming back? No. no. Okay. Oh, long discussion, long like discussion on that. No, but I'm just, I'm just asking because I don't necessarily think it's would be the right move. I'm just saying, do you have to give him? Do you have to vet him no, no. as a potential candidate? No, I'm not sure Bob want. Not sure Bob would even want that. So. Yeah, and, and that may very well have been part of the conversation too with them. It's like they understood it was short term. He doesn't. He wants it to be short term, and all those things. So I, I get that. I, I would just say to finish off that. Um, I'm very, I'm sad about all this, to be honest with you. Uh, very disappointed. Um, never in a million years would I have seen this coming after, uh, Jimmy Lake coaching only 13 games as a head coach. I mean, it's just stunning to me. He never coached in an Apple Cup. He was a Pac-12 North champion, but never played in a conference championship game. I mean, this, this stuff is so wacky. It's almost like you'd have to make a movie out of it to make it actually come to life. It just doesn't feel real. Um, it does. There is just a certain kind of surreal quality about all this stuff right now, but uh, expect a lot of movement in the coming weeks. Like Scott said, I think that that's getting in, getting these guys in for those recruiting weekends is going to be absolutely paramount. Um, it's interesting too, because Washington is still offering kids. They offered a kid who was a 2023 defensive lineman who is here for the Arizona state game. Um, so that, that it just never sleeps. It's always going and, um, just very, very intrigued to see what the qualities are and in the, the guys that Jen Cohen's going to seriously vet and, uh, and really push for going ahead. It's going to be busy for the next few weeks. 
Needless to say, um, just a couple of reminders. If you're not a subscriber, no better time than uh, right now to subscribe and, uh, you know, half off of the annual subscription. And if you're currently a monthly subscriber, you can upgrade and still get the half off of the yearly subscription. So uh, take a look at that. If you're looking for the uh, most current and up-to-date and breaking news updates daily, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Uh, one other thing, uh, six o'clock tip off tomorrow night, um, for the basketball team against Texas Southern. I have tickets. I actually have four. Just shoot me an email, uh, Kim G, K I M G at dogman.com. I can leave either four or two to the first person that emails. Just make sure you include the name. I can leave them at will call for, uh, the name. So just, uh, Feel free to do that. I'll get back to you if you get the tickets, and uh, I'll let you know if they're already gone as well. So uh, just like I said, 6 o'clock tip-off, and I can leave those at will call. You can have two or you can have four. Either way is okay. So anyways, uh, a lot of work yet to be done. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen